You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. 1 Corinthians 3. That verse jumped out to me, verse 15, when I was reading this not too long ago. If any man shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I'll start the message uh, this morning, first of all, by saying let's make sure that we remove all distractions. Let's make sure that our cell phones are on silent or off or broken or thrown in the trash can, something. Uh, Make sure that we are able to focus in this morning. The devil will use anything that he can to distract. So let's make sure we focus in. Make sure church members look around. Make sure that everyone has a Bible and they will be able to see the Bible this morning. I'll start by making this statement. The more a man lives for tomorrow, the better he'll live today. The more a man lives for tomorrow, the better he'll live today. Now you ask, doesn't Jesus say, take no thought for the morrow? And yes, he does. So then is it wrong to say, the more a man lives for tomorrow, the better he'll live today? No, it's not. The best way to prepare for tomorrow is to do what you know is right today. The best way to do what is right today is to remember that the decisions you make today will follow you to tomorrow. Who do you want to be tomorrow? What kind of father do you want to be tomorrow? Do you want to be a father who leads your family, who reads God's word to his family? What kind of mother do you want to be tomorrow? Do you want to be a loving mother or a caring mother? The mom is the heart of the home. Dad may set the rules, mom sets the morals. That's why we're in such moral trouble today, because ladies have lost their morals. And dads no longer set rules. What kind of child do you want to be tomorrow? What kind of son? What kind of daughter? Do you want to be obedient? Do you want to be loving and caring to your parents? Do you want to be a burden on their heart or a blessing to their heart? What kind of spouse do you want to be tomorrow? What kind of student do you want to be tomorrow? I want to be a student that's done tomorrow, right? What kind of student do you want to be? What kind of boss do you want to be? Some of you are managers. You lead people. You have your own business. What kind of boss do you want to be tomorrow? What kind of employee do you want to be tomorrow? What kind of Christian do you want to be tomorrow? I want you to ask yourself that question. And if you want to know how to be that kind of person tomorrow, be that person today. It really is that simple. If you want to be a loving father tomorrow, love your children today. If you want to be a loving spouse tomorrow, love your spouse today. You want to be a good Christian tomorrow, be a good Christian today. What are you putting it off for? 
James 4 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. How many of you know that you're going to be alive tomorrow? Nobody. How many of you know what tomorrow is going to bring? This time last week, Miss Rita had no clue she was going to wake up one morning and her husband of 67 years was going to be gone. She had no idea. You know not what is on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So since we do not know what could happen tomorrow, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good today and doeth it not, to him it is sin. When Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow, he wasn't saying live for today with no thought of the consequences. He was teaching us, do not allow your care for tomorrow to distract you from doing what you know you are supposed to do today because he knew the best way to prepare for tomorrow is by simply doing what's right today. Is it wrong to focus on the race that is set before us? Is that what I'm saying? Aren't we told in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let us run with patience the race that is set before us? Isn't that here on earth? So is it wrong to focus on the race that is set before us? Certainly not. But what is the best way to focus on the race that is set before us? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The best runners are the runners who have the finish line in mind. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. Aren't all the runners in a race running? But one, one gets that gold medal. One receives the prize. Yes, they're all running. But you better run so that ye may obtain. We're not fighting as one that beats the air. When I was in basketball growing up in high school, I, I didn't want silver. I didn't want second place. I didn't want to be first loser. I wanted to be first. We wanted the championship. That's what we wanted, but so did everybody else. And when you started that tournament, that first game, I already had the championship in mind. And I better play this game as if it were the championship, or I'll never reach the championship. But if I'm going to reach the championship, I better play this game well. So I'll say it again. The more a man lives for tomorrow, the better you will live today. I'll carry it further. The more you live for eternity, the better you'll live in temporality. I didn't even know that was a word. It is. It is now, yeah. The more a man lives for heaven, the better he will live on earth. And make no mistake, there is an eternity to come. There is a heaven to share. There is a life beyond this one. And therein comes the purpose of my message this morning. I want to provoke us. How many of you like being provoked? Do you have an older brother? How many of you had older siblings? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. How many of you, you were the oldest? Look at all the provokers in this room. Oh, no, no, keep your hand up. All the provokers in this room. And all of you who 
shed blood, sweat, and tears as a younger sibling. You know what it is to be provoked. You know what? You know what? Okay, all right, you can put your hands on. You're good. You're good. You're going to keep it up. They listen to their... When somebody provokes you, it makes you feel uncomfortable, right? That's okay. We should feel uncomfortable in church. You know when you wake up early in the morning, and ladies, none of your makeup is on, and gentlemen, your hair is, you look like Einstein, but you don't think like him, right? And you look in that mirror, it makes you uncomfortable. So does the Bible. It's all right to be uncomfortable. I think we should be uncomfortable. I think if you go to a church where all you feel is comfortable, I think there's a problem. So I want to provoke us a little bit to look beyond this life and look at the next one. To look beyond temporality or mortality and look at eternity. To look beyond earth look at heaven. To look beyond today and look at that day. What do I mean by that day? I mean judgment day. The judgment seat of Christ. Look in verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. The more we live for that day, I'm convinced the better we'll live today. The reason many believers live such miserable lives here below is because they've forgotten there's a life there, there above. Some of the most miserable people I've ever met are in church. I have heard people say, I would go to church, but every time I go to church, people are miserable. You know why? Because they are children of God trying to live like children of the world. You will never be more miserable. You are people living for today instead of living for that day. If you want to live for today, live for that day. If you want to live better on earth, live for heaven. You want to be a better mortal? Remember, you're eternal. You are an eternal soul. Do you wish to be a better Christian today? Take time to contemplate the judgment seat with me. I want to help you with that contemplation by just asking three questions this morning. Three questions about the judgment seat. Question one, will you be there? Will you be there? Now, every person will stand before God. Everyone will stand before God. But not everyone is going to stand before him at the judgment seat. There are two judgment days spoken about in the Bible. The first is called the judgment seat of Christ. You'll find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to Christians. There's a second day. The great white throne judgment. And friend, trust me, you don't want to find yourself standing in front of a white throne. Now both are days of judgment. Both bring much terror to men. But there are great differences between the two. The great white throne is judging the lost. The judgment seat is for the saved. The great white throne is for sinners. 
The judgment seat is for sinners saved by grace. The great white throne is judging your soul. The judgment seat is judging your works. The great white throne, Jesus is your judge. The judgment seat, Jesus is your savior. At this one over here, the one that you don't want to be at, Jesus doesn't know you. At this one over here, Jesus is your shepherd. At this one over here, Jesus is a witness against you. At this one here, Jesus is your lawyer. This one over here, Jesus holds a gavel in his hand. This one over here, Jesus holds you in his hand. This one over here, you are your own foundation. This one over here, Jesus is your foundation. Look, look in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, upon this rock, no, my Catholic friend, he was not talking about Peter. Yes, Peter's name means rock, but it means little rock, a pebble. Upon this pebble, I will build my church. No, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, the foundation of God standeth sure. It's a divine foundation because it was chosen by God himself. It is a perfect foundation because it was laid by God himself. It is a sure foundation because it is trusted by God himself. God himself has purposed to build his church and his kingdom upon no other foundation than Jesus Christ. Therefore, if you choose to build your life on any other foundation than Jesus Christ, you will not be at the judgment seat. Oh, it's quiet. I hope it's because we're thinking. Those who stand at the judgment seat must be able to say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Will you be at the judgment seat? I know who I'm preaching to, a Sunday morning crowd. I know many of you. I'm asking you, will you be at the judgment seat? I can't see you. My glasses are foggy. If you're going to be at the judgment seat, Jesus must be your foundation. Jesus must be your savior. Hold up, hold up. Not Jesus and, not Jesus plus, not Jesus alongside of, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Do you understand that Jesus is necessary for your salvation? Do you understand that Jesus is necessary for your salvation? Do you want to be saved from hell? Jesus is necessary. Do you want to be at the judgment seat and spared from the great white throne? Jesus is necessary. Do you want to be born again? Jesus is necessary. Do we understand that? Do we understand that Jesus is necessary? That's good. But many people who understand that Jesus is necessary still won't be at the judgment seat. We look confused. Go to any Mormon church, and they will tell you that Jesus is necessary. Miss Amy, am I right? A young lady came from the Mormon church. 
Go to any Mormon church and they will tell you that Jesus is necessary for your salvation. Go to any Catholic church and they will tell you that Jesus is necessary for your salvation. Go to Protestant churches. They will tell you that Jesus is necessary for your salvation. Do you want to be saved? Jesus is necessary. You want to go to heaven? Jesus is necessary. So what's the problem? They believe Jesus is necessary, but they don't believe that he is enough. It's Jesus and. Jesus and your baptism, Church of Christ says. Jesus and sacraments, Catholics say. Jesus and your works, the Mormons say. Jesus is necessary for salvation. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But you have to understand, he is not only necessary, he is enough. He's enough. Rahab the harlot was spared because she hung a little cord out of her window. That was it. How many of you might say, I feel like my soul is hanging by a thread? That's okay, as long as that's a scarlet one. Jesus is enough. When you have Jesus, you have all you need. And there are plenty of people who understand that Jesus is necessary. Oh, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, and he came down, and he died, and he was buried, and he rose again. Yes, necessary. But is he enough for you? If Jesus isn't enough for you, you will not be at the, you will not be at the judgment seat. If Jesus isn't enough for you, you will not be at the judgment seat. Now, isn't religion important? Yes. Isn't giving important? Yes. Aren't good deeds important? Yes. Isn't where you go to church important? Yes. Isn't living a separated life important? Yes. Isn't baptism important? Yes. Isn't reading your Bible and praying important? Yes. But those aren't the foundation that God chose other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. Jesus Christ, let the shifting sands of religion be your foundation. Let your feeble good deeds be your foundation. Let your church attendance be your foundation. Let your giving be your foundation. Let anything but Christ be your foundation and you will not be standing at the judgment seat. You will stand at the great white throne and you will find your precious foundation to be nothing but sinking sand. Walls are important to a structure. Walls are important. Rafters are important. Beams are important. Lights are important. But you can't build a structure off of those things, no matter how important they may be. Place the most beautiful mansion on the wrong foundation. And congratulations, you just made that mansion worthless. It is only when we have the right, the right foundation that we can begin to build something worthwhile. Is Jesus your foundation? My first question is, will you be at the judgment seat? You won't be if Jesus is not your foundation. But if the answer is yes, Jesus is my foundation. And by the way, if the answer is no, we'll come back to that. I'm not just going to give you bad news. There's good news, okay? I built on the wrong foundation up until I was 12 years old, until someone loved me enough to show me how Jesus could be my foundation. I love you too. I won't leave you hanging. Stick with me. 
If yes, if Jesus is your foundation, here's my next question. Are you prepared to be there? Will you be there? Yes. Are you prepared? Have you ever walked into a meeting unprepared? (laughs) That sinking feeling in your gut? It is called the judgment seat of Christ. What is going to be judged? Look at verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. What is the purpose of a foundation? The purpose of a foundation, wait for it, this is deep, is to build on it. So we learned in the first question, it doesn't matter what we build if we have the wrong foundation. But now we see when you have the right foundation, it's time to start building. And here's where we have a choice. We can either build on our foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, or we can build on that foundation with wood, hay, and stubble. Well, pastor, I choose gold, silver, and precious stones. You do realize that gold, silver, and precious stones are very expensive, right? Of course everybody wants to choose gold, silver, and precious stones. Everybody wants to choose that. So then why doesn't everyone build that way? Two words. Sticker shock. Let me illustrate. Gentlemen, you have taken your lady out to a store, a nice store, a really nice store, like Kohl's, okay? And you said, baby, I've got $25 and it's all yours, right? (laughs) No, I mean, you take her to a nice store like Neiman Marcus or I don't even know. I'd stay away from those ungodly places, right? And this is, wherever you go shopping, this is the sound that no man wants to hear. Oh, honey, look at this. We just hear cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. But every now and then, your wife is going to, oh, look at this. I love it. I love it. Maybe it's a dress or something like that. It's not anything useful, that's for sure. So, and she's grabbing it. Oh, look at the colors. Oh, oh, and it's so soft. Oh, it's perfect. And it's just my size. Oh, my goodness, look at that. So she's like walking around in the display case, you know, up around the mannequins. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, that's so amazing. And then what does she do? She goes down the sleeve, finds the little tag, turns it over and goes, whoa, never mind. And then you go to Goodwill and you buy her a used Disneyland sweatshirt and everything's fine. But (laughs) how many times, how many times has your wife or you gentlemen, you've gone to the gun counter? Oh, that's nice. Ooh, that's nice. Look at it. What caliber is that? How many rounds can it hold? All those different things, you know. And then you... How much is it? Well, it's this much. Ooh, <laughs> never mind. I'll go get a Hot Wheel instead, right? Everybody loves gold, silver, and precious stones until they see the price tag. 
So how many times have we walked into the spiritual hardware store, and on the right side, we see the materials made of gold, silver, and precious stone. And on the left side, we see the materials made of wood, hay, and stubble. And deep within our hearts, we want those, don't we? We see those materials and we think, oh, that would be wonderful. I would love a life made with those. They're materials that every Christian would dream of building their life with. They shine, they sparkle. They're in every way gorgeous, lovely. And you go up to one and it is the golden beam of living separate from the world. It has a silver lining of people looking at you and seeing that there's something different. It's lined with the precious stones of a clean conscience and a pleased heavenly father. And knowing that you are doing what is right. And we think to ourselves, oh Lord, I would love to have that. I'd love to live a separated life. I would love for people to look at me and know that there's something different. I would love to be a light in a world that's so dark. I, I, I truly want to live a life that's pleasing and pure in your eyes. But then you flip over the price tag. And it says, this golden beam of separation costs being ridiculed by your classmates and being mocked by your coworkers and being questioned by your family. This golden beam of separation costs dressing modestly. It costs a clean vocabulary. It costs abstaining not only from evil, but from all appearance of evil. I had to teach my daughter McKenna that yesterday because she was playing rock, paper, scissors with Everly. And she had Everly doing it out here, rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and Kenna was doing it behind her back. And Everly would throw hers, and then Kenna would throw hers. And wouldn't she know it? Kenna was winning every time. I was like, Kenna, cheating. Cheat, 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 cheater, cheater, booger eater. You can't do that. <laughs> and she swore up and down, no, no, I'm not, I'm not switching it. I'm not switching it. And I tried to teach her, okay, okay, maybe you're not. You can't prove that, can you? Maybe you're not doing anything wrong, but it sure looks like you are. It's not just abstaining from evil. It's the appearance of evil, and that's what that golden beam of separation costs. It costs heartache and headache, and we see that price tag, we think, whoa, never mind. And we look over on this side, and we see a wooden beam instead. We can go to the work parties. We can say whatever we want. We can laugh at the dirty jokes. We can dress in the latest fashions and trends. We can look, act, and talk just like the world, and we think, you know what, my foundation is still right. This will do just fine. But then we look over here and something else catches our eye. It is the golden roofing. The golden roofing of faithfulness. And it's decorated with the silver pattern of consistency and perseverance and character. 
It's adorned with the precious stones of church attendance and giving and Bible reading and prayer and service to God. And we think to ourselves, oh, I'd love to have that. That looks amazing. How I would love to live a faithful life. I want to be more faithful to church. How many of you have said that to yourself just in the last week? I want to be, I want to be more faithful. I want to be more faithful in giving. I want to be more faithful in my Bible reading. I want to be more faithful in, in prayer. I want to serve God with all of my heart for all of my days, to always seek first the kingdom of God. Lord, I want that so badly. But then you flip over that price tag, and it says this flooring, or did I say roofing? This roofing of faithfulness costs giving up your will and following God's will. Costs waking up early and staying up late to serve. It costs missing the big games and all the get-togethers. It costs a great deal of time and study. It costs a great deal of fervency and sincerity. It costs promotions at work. Because they won't promote you because you say, I'm not working Sundays and I'm not working Wednesdays. It costs you giving up your salary. And we say, whoa, never mind. And we look over here at the roofing made of hay, and we can miss church whenever we want. And we can get that permission. We can read our Bibles just kind of when we're at church and then put it on the nightstand, let it gather dust throughout the rest of the week. We only have to pray when we really need something. We don't have to give unless we have extra in the bank. We can serve ourselves first and give God what's left. And we think, you know, that's a lot more affordable than the other. I'll take this instead. Many people have walked the aisle and seen on that right side the golden chandelier of purity. And it's covered with the silver crest of a clean mind. And it has the precious stones of giving your whole self to your future spouse not what's left over. It has the precious stones of having your first kiss be at the marriage altar. Never having your memories tainted by past sins. It's got the precious stone of love that gives and not lust that takes. It has the precious stone of being able to tell your children one day it is possible, it's possible to do it right. And when they saw that, they thought, oh, that would be wonderful. I want to walk the aisle pure. I want to do things right. I want to give my spouse all of me, not what's left of me. But then they looked at the price tag and it simply said this. This chandelier of purity costs two things. Trust in the Lord and patience. And they said, never mind. And they turn over and they find something made of stubble. They could live however they pleased. They could live to please their bodies instead of their God. And they said, I'll take this instead. Everybody wants gold, silver, and precious stones until they see the price tag. But Pastor Johnny, I can't afford those things. You can. You can. Christian, don't tell me you can't. You Don't you dare say you can't afford those materials. Be honest with God and say you won't. The only thing that man cannot afford, scoot over a little bit, the only thing that man cannot afford is sin. That is the only thing that costs more than we can pay, and we buy it all the time. So don't tell me we can't afford that. 
The only thing that costs more than we can pay is sin. We buy it all the time. And that's why Jesus came and he paid that price. And when he paid that price, he paid it all. He gave you everything you need in order to live a life that is pleasing to him. So if we don't, it's not because we can't, it's because we won't. You can serve the Lord. You just won't. Do you realize the potential that some of you have to do something great for the Lord? Do you realize it? Young couples who are in the prime of your youth, who don't have to deal with the backaches and the get up, this, get up a morning and your body just says, nope, you don't have to deal with that. You don't, you're not constantly tired and you do have time, by the way. You're in school and you think, I don't have any time. Just wait. Just wait until children come into the mix. And children ruin everything. <laughs> I didn't say it's not worth it. Here is a couple. Here's a young couple without children. Oh, look, honey, there's a new restaurant. Let's go there. Yes, let's. It's that simple for you. You have children? Hey, honey, look, a new restaurant. We will never go there. <laughs> Won't happen. You have time. You don't have time now. If you can't serve the Lord now, it's because you won't. You can serve the Lord. You just won't. You can be faithful in your tithe. You just won't. And you're just missing out on your own blessing. The Lord's work will go on. He doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills and the potatoes in the hills. He doesn't need your money. But he wants to bless you. You can. You just won't. You can be faithful in church. You just won't. You can live a separated life. You just won't. Be honest. You can afford these. You can you just won't pay it. There's a reason the Bible says buy the truth and sell it not. But there's a reason why people won't buy these. And here's the reason why. You've lost sight of the judgment seat. Because those who keep the judgment seat in mind live better today. Those who live for that day live better today. When we don't do what we know is right today, it's because we've forgotten about the judgment seat. The Bible says, In that day every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Look in verse 14. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What will make it through a fire? Wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones? What's going to make it through? Yes, it costs your will. And yes, it costs some earthly comforts, and some heartaches, and some headaches, and some patience, and some friends, and some popularity, and some relationships. But we can either pay now, or we will pay later. Remember that. We can pay now, or we will pay later. You may be saved. You may have the right foundation. You may have a home in heaven. But go ahead and be slothful in your work. Go ahead and be cheap 
in your building materials. Go ahead and build with wood, hay, and stubble. Go ahead and serve God half-heartedly. Go ahead and withhold from him. Go ahead and justify your worldliness. Go ahead and seek for the praise of men, but when God judges those works with fire, they won't last. They will all burn away, and you will stand before the one who gave all for you with nothing but ashes in your hands. Will you be there? Are you prepared to be there? How devastating to stand before God with our souls saved, but our lives wasted. And that leads to my last question. Don't you wish, don't you wish to be able to give something to the Lord in the judgment day? Don't you wish to be able to give something to him? We won't even go to a birthday party without a gift. How horrifying to stand before the one who gave all for us with nothing to give for him. How heartbreaking to see our life's work burned down to ashes and we'll be left standing there with nothing to give the Lord. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. He cannot mistake the wood, hay, and stubble of a heartless, selfish, and insincere life for the gold, silver, and precious stones of consecration and love. You cannot make that mistake. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow today, you will reap that day. Whatever you build within you this life, you will take with you to the judgment seat. And do you see what verse 14 says? If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. What is this reward? Well, Matthew chapter 6 talks about treasures. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay? The Bible also talks about crowns. It talks about a crown of life, a crown of righteousness, a crown of glory. And I could be wrong. But I can imagine that those treasures and those crowns will be made up of the gold and silver and precious stones that a man chooses to build his life upon or with here on this earth. I can see God trying our works in the fire and using the treasures that abide to forge those crowns. And I can see an angel coming down, bringing those crowns and laying them upon the heads of those who were willing to pay the price to buy the truth and sell it not. Would that not be a worthwhile reward? But it gets better. As that angel is putting that crown on your head, you will hear the Heavenly Father, the Almighty God, the one who made you and everything there is, you will hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Would that not be, would that not be reward enough to buy these and leave these alone? Would that not be enough? Would that not pay you back for all the heartache, all the headache, all the lost friends who you don't need to be friends with anyway? If your friends come up and say, I don't want anything to do with you because you have something to do with God, kick them to the curb. You don't need those people. But it gets better. As that crown is placed on your head and you hear, well done, you're going to look up and see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And you'll remember 
how much he loved you. We'll remember how he died for us. We'll remember how he laid his life down for us. We'll remember how he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We'll remember how he was mocked and scourged and beaten and tortured on a Roman cross and laid in a tomb for three days and nights. But we'll remember how he rose again in glory. We'll remember how he saved our souls. We'll remember how he willingly became the sacrifice so that you and I could go to heaven. We'll remember how he willingly became our savior, our friend, and our foundation. We'll remember how nothing that we ever did in this life that was worthwhile ever could have happened without him. And we'll take that crown off our head and we'll throw it at the pierced feet of Jesus. And we'll say, thou alone art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. You gave everything to me. How could I do anything but give this back to you? Will that not be the greatest reward that you could ever think of? To be able to stand before Jesus and to give him just a little bit, just a little bit back for all that he gave to us. How often in this life do we fail him? How often in this life do we shop on this side of the aisle when he shed his blood for us, we won't shed the first drop of ours. Oh, God, help us. But wouldn't it be worth all the tears and all the toil and all the heartache and all the hardship to be able to take that little crown and throw it at his feet? And wouldn't it be the greatest sorrow to stand before the one who gave everything to us with nothing but ashes in our hands. The ashes wasted life. You yourself saved, but yet so as by fire. Church, there's a reason the Bible says Jesus is going to need to wipe away tears from our eyes. Those won't be tears of joy. And there's a reason Paul wrote at the very end of verse 10, you see those words there? Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Will you be there? Are you prepared? Wouldn't you like to give something back? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptist.com cctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.